Welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show. It is Sunday, alright, and surprisingly, for the first time in two fucking weeks, this one is coming out on time, 5pm, like usual. We're back in it, baby. Back in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yesterday, finally got my fucking tattoo. It is so fucking dope. If you haven't seen it yet, it is on my Instagram. It is just... Go fucking look at it, alright? If you want to know what my Instagram is, it's just the Renity Horror Show, okay? It's on there, and it's also under Dusty McBalls, okay? I posted it twice. It's fucking sexy, right? I would say it is the coolest fucking Slenderman tattoo that is probably out on the market right now, right? So fucking sexy. So fucking sexy. I'm so happy. So happy. I went to a new artist. Try something new. Switch up a little bit, right? And... That's what me and Gabby were doing for our Christmas presents. We went and bought each other's tattoos. It is so sick, right? The tattoo shop's awesome. So, shout out to Rockin' Tattoos in Eagan, Minnesota, okay? It's beautiful. It's fun. They're all cool group of people. If you are a fellow tattoo person, not like a tattoo artist, but if you love getting tattoos, go check them out, right? Go check them out. My guy... Well, the guy that I went to, Corey, great fucking job. Perfect. Impeccable, right? My arm's still a little sore, but that's okay, because beauty is pain in this world, right? It is just, I'm so fucking happy about it. It is so fucking cool, right? But it's on my Instagram if you want to go check it out, at the Rainy Day Horror Show or at Dusty McBalls, okay? It's on there. Guys, we've got a good, good fucking episode today, right? It's gonna. It's just. It's just really, really good. So we're gonna be looking at an insane asylum, um, specifically the insane asylum that was in New Jersey, and we're not gonna be looking at it as a whole. It's just gonna be specifically a little background of it in the beginning, and then we're gonna jump right into the specific doctor that just fucking ruined people, right? Now, I don't know, this is one of those stories, I don't know if, because we all know how medical shit was back in the 1900s and the 1800s, it was brutal, right? But then again, their knowledge wasn't, you know, super superior with human anatomy, right? So I don't know if he was just truly, you know, wanting to mutilate people or if he genuinely thought, you know, it was the best thing for, you know, his patients and stuff like that. Because they didn't fucking know anything, right? They didn't fucking know anything. So, but, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a good episode. So just strap in and get ready for it, alright? I forgot to introduce myself. If you don't know who I am, I am your host with the most, Dusty McBalls, a.k.a. the Certified Cougar Hunter, right? That's all you really need to know about me. But this, I'm so fucking excited about this episode. I'm so stoked, right? So, we're gonna jump right into it. Get those Crocs on. Strap them bitches in adventure mode. Okay? Let's get this show on the road. Grab a drink. Grab something to eat. It might might be a little lengthy one. I don't know. Okay? I don't really know. But, it's gonna be fun. So, let's do this, alright? So, the New Jersey Insane Asylum, or also known as... Trenton State Insane Asylum was built in May 15th, 1848. And just for a little fun fact about, you know, 
this little place, this little insane asylum that we're doing, it was actually one of the very first public health mental institutions to be built in New Jersey. Now, the Trenton State Hospital was founded by Dorothea Dix, and I know I mentioned her in my other asylum video or episode, whichever one you want to call it, but just for a little refresher, she was a very renowned and very pro-mental health advocate. She also eventually, in her later you know, years of her life, as her health started to decline, you know, she basically kind of stayed there, right? That's where she went because, you know, that's what happens when you get old. You know, your brain starts to deteriorate, you get fucking old, and you just fucking die. And she ended up actually passing away at this state hospital in 1887. According to the records of this hospital, Dorothea treated it like it was her baby and she absolutely loved this place and tried to take care of it as much as she could under, you know, her, what is it, like her fucking lifespan? That's the word I was trying to think of. Yeah, over her lifespan. lifespan. Now, I couldn't figure out why she loved it so much, but I would assume it is because she was the founder of this hospital and she was helping people with mental health, you know, disabilities or illnesses and giving them a place to live where they could be watched over by professionals and get, you know, the right care. This hospital did also follow the Kirkbride plan. And for those who don't remember or don't know what the Kirkbride plan is, because I did also mention this in my other episode, okay? It's basically a plan that emphasizes the importance of light, fresh air, and that, you know, this building had to be designed with open halls, high ceilings, plenty of windows, and a ventilation system that could cause a cross breeze, all right? Dorothea also wanted, like, the patient's to have freedom and wanted them to roam around the building and the property so that they could, you know, stimulate their little gray, their little gray matter, right? They get the little synapses firing and hopefully the plan, you know, with that plan in set, it's supposed to make them behave better and not worse and not have it get, you know, too rowdy. Now, if you're wondering where the Kirkbride plan came from or who came up with it, it actually came from, I don't know why I don't have his name down, but his last name's Kirkbride. And this plan that he came up with actually inspired the construction of over 70 plus buildings within the 19th century. And he built like this plan and ideas for those buildings actually off of Dorothea Dix's work too. So he kind of took a little inspiration from what she was doing because she was such a huge figure within the mental health, um, what is it, 
I don't want to say like area, like field of medical work, right? And so he kind of saw what she was doing, liked her ideas, and made this plan to, you know, help out in, with her, to help out incorporate her ideas to make her plan and all that, you know, more successful, right? Now, Kirkbride was also a physician and he was also another advocate for the mentally ill. He also established the American Psychiatric Association, right? Now, if you're wondering, Dusty, where did they keep the mentally ill before this state hospital in New Jersey? Well, before the construction of the Trenton State Looney Bin, the mentally ill were actually held mainly in jails. I think you pronounce it almhouses. I could be wrong, okay? It's, not, it's a weird word to pronounce, all right? But we're going to say almhouses. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a communal housing sector where poor people or people with mental illnesses stayed. So basically, to kind of reword it into today's time, I guess it would be considered, or like the closest thing that I can come up with on the spot, I think it would be similar to like a homeless shelter, if that makes sense. I think that's where, or maybe like homeless shelters stemmed off of almhouses, but I could be, I could be completely wrong. I'm not, I'm not that level of historian. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. I know I'm sorry, but I'm not. Okay. The mentally ill in New Jersey were also held at private homes, which you may think minus the jail that it's, you know, it's not too bad, right? Being stuck in like an almhouse or, you know, a private living residence, right? But knowing what we know about mental health in today's time and the knowledge that we have, you know, now, whoa, I'm starting. I'm trying to piece things in my head. Sorry. Rewind for a quick second. Let's, let's, let's start over, right? And the knowledge we know about how people with mental disabilities were basically treated pre-2000s, it was still awful, okay? It was still really, really fucking bad. Most of the people in the 1800s that did have mental health disorders or, you know, disorders that people thought were mental health related, they were held specifically in New Jersey. They were held in like confined attics, cellars, or outbuildings, right? They, they were just treated still really, really poorly, right? And, you know, hold on, I got to itch my foot real quick. I just hit my pop filter. Okay, here we go. So we're back. And just like even in today's time, they're still treated really, really bad. You know, we've got some people that lie about their, you know, mental health issues, illnesses. And it's just, yeah, you know, people are still, you know, very, you know, like, how do I say it? Like the whole, 
I don't know where I'm going with it. I had somewhere to go with it and it flew on my head. But people still with mental health aren't treated perfect like the homeless, right? A lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of, I'd, I feel like, oh, I'm not going to say most of them, but I feel like a lot of, you know, people that are homeless do have mental health disabilities. And if maybe if they got some, if somebody were out there to be able to give them help, I know it's a whole, you got to go in and do it yourself, Dusty. You got to go out there, right? You can't. You can't fucking force people to go into these, you know, psych wards and get help. I know. I know. Trust me. Right? I'm just saying that those poor homeless people, if somebody were to say, hey, you know, let's let's fix you up a little bit, buddy. Come on. Let's fix you up a little bit. Let's get you on the right track, you know. See if you got any mental health issues. And if you do, we'll sort it out. And maybe you can get back up on your feet. Right? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Hopefully you know what I mean, right? But anyways, I digress. They were treated extremely poorly. And thankfully to Dorothea, they finally had a good place to go with the correct and proper supervision and training, right? And when the first hospital, well, not the first hospital, but when this hospital first opened up, that's what they were basically getting from Dr. Horace A. Butthole. I think that's how you say it. I don't fucking know. So we're calling him AKA Dr. Butthole. Okay. That's what we're rolling with. I'm sorry. It's mean, but it's the only way I'm going to be able to pronounce this last name because it is fucking hard. And he was the very first superintendent in charge of the hospital in the first year. Now, Dr. Butthole treated 86 patients within, you know, his first year of being there and the treatment that he basically did consisted of just general and local depletion medicine baths exercise and a regulation on the patient's diet medical treatment was also supplemented by moral treatment with an emphasis on creating an atmosphere of serenity perfect they're getting everything that they need right it's awesome they're gonna treat them well they're gonna you know give them food they're just they're not gonna be cutting off limbs you know making fucking weird shit with them right it's gonna be normal this is a normal psych ward right this is a normal hospital for these mentally ill patients Unfortunately, that's not how it went, right? Little did the, you know, world and the patients know that that hospital, you know, known for its moral treatment and that atmosphere of serenity was about to be completely thrown out the fucking window and everything was about to be flipped upside down because in 1907... We meet our Doctor of Terror, Henry A. Cotton. And for a little bit of background on Dr. Cotton, he was born on May 18, 1876 in Norfolk, Virginia and died on May 8th in 1933 in New Jersey. That was a weird burp. He died in New Jersey, right? came back sorry you probably heard that because i turned my mic all the way up 
So that's why sometimes you can hear my breath if you like, like that, because I turned my uh, frequency on my mic so far up so I don't have to like scream into the microphone so you guys can hear me and I don't destroy my voice, right? So I could fart probably all the way over on the other side of my room and you probably would hear it. I also have them cooking up so we might check, we might, we might fucking do it. We might, we might test it out. It's going to be our little science experiment. Can you hear Dusty's fart from across the room? But I don't know. Maybe. Now, Mr. Cotton, Dr. Cotton, studied at the John Hopkins School of Medicine under the teachings of Dr. Adolf Meyer, right? Not Hitler. Meyer, okay? And he also studied in Europe under the teachings of Emil Krapelin. I don't know if that's how you fucking say that, but his this is the only time his name comes up. And this name's going to ring a bell. Alois Alzheimer, right? I'm pretty sure I don't need to explain that one. You can kind of connect the dots on who Alois Alzheimer is and what he's connected to, okay? Now, let's, let's, let's bring it back in and go back to the story on Dr. Cotton. Now, he became the medical director of the Trenton State Hospital in 1907. And Dr. Cotton was a very firm believer in the fact that mental illness stemmed from infections within the body and in order to, you know, preserve and restore the the brains of his patients. And I don't mean literally restore his brain or their brains. I meant it like metaphorically, like to prevent them from their mind going even crazier and, you know, mentally ill that stuff, okay, to treat them of their mental health disorder, right? Now, Dr. Cotton, and there's three stages to his treatments. First, he would remove their teeth, not like all of their teeth, but like some of their teeth, because he believed that the teeth were the, were the most likely location to house an infection within the body. And if the tooth extraction failed, he would turn to, and this is where it gets bad, like under, other than getting your teeth removed, which, you know, fuck teeth, right? We need them, but like, fuck teeth, right? You can live without them. After he removed the teeth, and if it wasn't getting any better, this is where it gets a little graphic, and this is where it gets kind of fucking dark, right? He would then turn to removing the tonsils and some of the sinus the sinus stuff, right? The sinus organs or whatever, right? And if that didn't fail, or if that fucking failed, he would turn to removing full-fledged fucking organs, right? And I don't mean like, you know, like, some of your liver or like a, like a kidney or something. No, like he would re like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you the main organs that Dr. Cotton would remove were the stomach, the ovaries, the testicles, the colons, the cervixes, the gallbladders, and the spleens. That's what he would do. That was 
his thing. He said, fuck lobotomies. I'm going to take your stomach, right? He was a no-go on the lobotomies. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. I'm not going to give you a lobotomy. Instead, I'm going to take your fucking testicles. Give them here. All right, I'm going to put hydrogen peroxide in them, and I'm going to bounce them on the fucking floor, right? Gabby told me that's what they do with the dog's testicles when they remove them. Sorry, Gabby, I'm putting you on blast. I can't help it, right? I can't help it, right? To me, thinking that if I was a dog, it brings me so much fucking pain. Like, just thinking of some, some girl, some Puerto Rican woman with a full sleeve, a chest tattoo, a neck tattoo, tattoos on the right arm, right? A beautiful Puerto Rican woman is now playing with my testicles, bouncing them on the floor like they're a bouncy ball, right? Shit terrifies me. That shit makes my nuts hurt, and I'm not even a fucking dog. Well, I mean, I am a little bit if you ask Abby. That was disgusting. I'm sorry. But still, fucking testicles. Out of all of the stuff, like, he couldn't have taken, like, a kidney or, you know, the appendix. That's the one. I was going to say pancreas, but we kind of fucking need that. The appendix. No, he decides to take fucking testicles and cervixes. Like, are we just not trying to reproduce here? Right? I thought that's what God put us on this earth to do reproduce. Sorry, that was weird. I really turned into a church moment for a second. That's what I was kind of going for because I thought it would be fucking funny. And it was. So you're welcome for the comedy, right? Welcome to the rainy day horror show where we got the best comedy on the fucking planet, people, right? Put me up next to fucking Joe Rogan. I'll whoop his ass. I'll whoop his ass in a comedy battle. I'm so fucking funny, right? Even though I know a lot of you guys don't like Joe Rogan. But that's a topic for a different day, right? I'm probably like Theo Vaughn funny. Don't you roll your eyes. Trust me, I saw that. And you want me to shut up right now. But don't you roll your eyes at me, Mr. or Mrs. Mrs. or Miss. I don't fucking know. But still. Fucking testicles, cervixes. I didn't even know you could fucking remove a stomach and fucking live. Like, is that, like, is that a thing? I have no fucking idea, and I'm being so serious. I don't think that's possible, right? I've never heard of somebody removing a stomach and living. Unless they remove parts of their stomach, which is what I assume that they did. But, like, from my research, it just said the stomach. So, I don't fucking know if it was the entire stomach or if it was, no, part of the stomach. I don't fucking know. But still, this dude's fucking... I blame it on the medical, like, learning stuff. What? (laughs) I blame it on the medical training that they get before they become a doctor, right? When they're going through school, okay? Which you can't get mad at them about, honestly, right? They aren't fully advanced like we are now, okay? So, yes, it was very inhumane. Yes, it was not okay. But I don't know if he was just, you know, a lunatic doctor or if he really thought he was helping people. Okay, because it gets worse. It gets a lot worse. Now, this form of treatment had no medical like analysis or analytics or data. I burped again. 
supporting it, right? He, or Dr. Cotton, did this strictly based off his own research and experimentation. But according to some records, Dr. Cotton allegedly came out and publicly said that he had a wonderful success rate and most of his patients were cured from their mental health disorder. But that's a little bit of a lie and you'll find out why in a second. Because, you know, of his great success rate, well, hold on, let me backtrack. Now because of his quote-unquote great success rate, Dr. Cotton was getting a lot of praise from the medical field in the U.S. and from in Europe. But little did they know, most of the patients he operated on died shortly after his treatment. You know, since it, since it is the early 1900s, the study of infections and disease were still pretty new. They didn't have the knowledge or right medicine to deal with those particular things like we do today, right? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, we don't really either. If you want to take a look back, like three, four years ago, but hey, aka the pandemic, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying anything, right? I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to divide you guys or hate me. I'm just saying, right? This is what I'm talking Come here. Come here. Bring it in close, right? This is what we got going on, right? Just saying, with all of the medical advances in the medical field and how fucking stellar we are as a race, and I'm not saying like white people because I'm white. I'm not saying like white people. Great. Great race. Booyah. No, I'm saying human race, okay? As humans, we're pretty fucking smart, right? We've got all the fucking technology in the world. Well, most of it, unless you consider aliens and we don't have their shit, but we'll get there one day. It's just, we should have had that shit under control, right? Should have. From the fucking beginning, right? We should have, we shouldn't have waited for a vaccine. Now, I'm not saying go get the vaccine, and I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. I'm just saying if you suggest that, you know, vaccines are good. I've been vaxxed all my life, okay, right? All I'm saying, because my mom's a doctor, right? Well, she's not a doctor. She works in the medical field. She was an ER nurse, so I've always been vaccinated. I don't have issues with vaccinations. I think, you know, I just don't like getting sick. So, you know, certain things you need. Like, I don't want to get, I was going to say tinnitus, but not tinnitus. Um, What's tetanus? That's what I was fucking thinking of. I don't want to get fucking tetanus, okay? So, like, yeah, I go get my tetanus shot, okay? Yeah, I go get the flu shot. I don't want to be fucking, I don't want to get the fucking flu, okay? I'm sorry, right? Leave me alone, okay? But what I'm saying is, I don't understand how it took them a year and a half to get a vaccine and like consistently work on it in a crisis for 24 hours a day all across the world, right? And we could not get that shit any fucking sooner. That's fucking weird, right? That's fucking weird to me. I don't know if it's weird to you guys, but it's weird to me. 
that's we don't need to get into that topic. I'm not gonna get conspiracy theory ish ist all over you guys. That sounded very sexual. Um, we're not gonna do that, right? Uh, you know me. You know me. I'm not a huge conspiracy theory guy, right? I do believe in some conspiracy theories, but I wouldn't consider myself a conspiracy theorist. Even though they are kind of fun to look at every now and then, I agree with you on that. But it just makes my head hurt, really. It's like politics. That's why I don't pay attention to politics. It just fucking hurts my head. It's just gross. Ew, nasty. But yes, most of his patients were dying after being operated on due to the lack of antibiotics and other medications. Now at the time the world might not have known what was truly going on or happening behind the scenes at this hospital. But when the patients did, you know, catch on to Dr. Cotton's, you know, surgery and how many people, well, not many, but how most people don't come out alive after his fucking surgery. I'm drawing a blank for some reason right now. Um, fear spread extremely quick around the asylum. And I'll give you an example on what the fear is like, okay? Like, you know, when you go to the be- the bathroom after you're just, you know, got done giving someone the dickens like a week ago, right? A week passes, you get up, you know, early in the morning because you got to go fucking piss or late at night, right? You got to go fucking piss. Like, shit. I might wet the bed, so... You go to the bathroom, and you start pissing, and as you're pissing, your dick just starts burning like the fiery red sphincter of Satan's booty cheeks, and then you become scared shitless because you may or may not, you're scared that you may have an STD, and on top of that, you just got done banging the shit out of your wife. You fucked her good, right? She was coming on the walls. She was, oh God, I was going to (laughs) say, never mind, never mind, never mind. We're not, I'll say it. She was just squirting you in the face, right? Just giving you all the fluids, all the juices, right? And so as you're pissing, you're scared. You're just shitting bricks because if her urethra burns, When she goes to piss in a week, she's going to be asking a few questions, right? She's going to be wondering, why the fuck is my piss burning? What what the fuck's going on? It didn't happen a week ago. I just got dicked down by Dobby. What? No, I meant Bobby. Just got dicked down by Bobby, right? Now my piss hurts? The fuck is going on, Bob? Huh? What the hell's going on here? Right? And she's going to be even more upset. Especially if she goes to the doctor and her test turns up positive for chlamydia, right? So, what do you do next, right? You're, you're scared shitless. You're like, God, fuck, damn it. I hope she doesn't piss, right? hope she doesn't piss and it burns, right? So, after you're done peeing, you leave the bathroom. You go sit on the couch, right? With a nice, hot, not hot, but warm cup of milk. Because right now, you can't fucking sleep because you are scared. So you start searching through, right? 
start going online, right? And you think, well, I might as well go check, go to the doctor, get it checked out. So you log on to your, you know, my health partner's Fairview Ridges and you go and you find your doctor, right? That is the hospital that's right next door to me. Well, not right next door to me, like 15 minutes away from me. And your doctor's there. He's got an opening, right? But it's not for another week. He's booked out. He just, he's just that great of a fucking doctor, right? So for an entire week, your anxiety and the fear of your wife finding out that you may have cheated is just booming, right? It's just all, your thoughts are all over the place. You're going to lose the kids. You're going to lose the Lambo Huracan. You're going to lose the Ferrari F40, right? And you worked hard for that Ferrari. They don't even make those anymore, right? They made those in the 90s, I think. I don't fucking know. You're going to lose that shit, right? She's going to take the kids, the house, the cars, your money. You're going to be homeless, right? You're going to be homeless and you don't, you're scared. You're fucking scared, right? So, all you can think about is possibly having an STD and possibly have given said STD to your wife. So, when the morning of that doctor, you know, appointment comes, you wake up, right? You're up bright and early, right? You put that appointment for 7 a.m. and you are at, you are at the doctor's office at 7, 7 a.m.? You are at the doctor's office at 6.45 you're ready to see the fucking doctor, right? Goes in. Well, he, they call you back and you go in. They do all your vitals. They say, hey, what's going on, right? What can I do for you? What's going, like, let me, let me do some shit real quick, right? I don't know where I was going with that, but they take your blood pressure. They check your little lungs. Make sure you're not smoking no marijuana, crack, meth, heroin, or cigarettes. Gotta make sure those shits are good, nice. Your little lungs, Take care of them, people, right? And they do the little, um, what the fuck, the, the pulse thingy. Yeah, they check your pulse to make sure. Well, I guess they already did that with blood pressure. All right, they tell you to open up your mouth. They look in your mouth. Everything's fine, right? So, nurse leaves. Dr. Harmon comes in. I completely stole that from American Horror Story. I'm sorry, which is great. It's great. That's a great fucking season, right? The when he jerks off in front of the fucking window while he looks at his wife. Fucking funny. But anyways, Dr. Ben Harmon comes in and he makes you go pee in a cup just to make sure, right? You don't have no STDs. You tell him, hey doc, I've been pissing and it's been burning for a week, right? So you go piss in a cup, comes back, you know, then you go home and you're waiting for that phone call. You are anxious for that phone call, right? And you, it's like, it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. All you hear is bring, bring, bring over and over again. And you know, it's the doc. He's calling you. He's calling you, right? Answer the phone. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, right? Shout out Eminem. And you were just like, like, hello. And he goes, Hey, Hey, Bobby. I got some good news and I got some bad news. And he's like, which do you want to hear first? And he's like, give me the good news. I want to hear the good news, Doc, right? And thankfully, the universe is on your side. Because he hits you with the, you don't have anything, right? He says that, you know, you just had a little cum blockage 
in your fucking, you know, dick hole and it's just not clearing out, right? So, give it another week. Drink some fluids. Make sure you're pissing consistently. Get that shit out. And then you say, thank you, Doc. I appreciate it. What's the bad news? Doc goes, that's a $10,000 bill. Hangs up. That's what happens, right? That's the fear. That is the level of fear that these patients felt towards these surgeries. They would literally have to be dragged to the operating room because they were that terrified. But thankfully, you know, the world works somehow. And eventually Dr. Cotton's Cotton's methods of curing mental health illnesses started to draw attention of other colleagues within the medical field. And that one colleague that happened to draw that that his work happened to draw the most was his former former mentor Dr. Meyer Dr. Adolf Meyer and I agree with you this is an oh shit moment this shit came full fucking circle right it was like a catch 22 that I did I don't know if that's right but we're rolling with it and this couldn't have really added to the story any better like this makes it a thousand times better right now the reason Dr. Meyer was so drawn to Dr. Cotton's work was because he didn't believe that operating on the mentally ill was a viable solution to treat, you know, their mental health disorder. So Dr. Meyer went to go see his former student was actually curing the mentally ill. And just by reading and like reading off of like my websites that I was looking at to research this, Dr. Meyer's reaction it didn't really, you know, it kind of scared him a little bit because when he left the hospital, Dr. Meyer had more questions and concerns about Dr. Cotton's methods. So in the fall of 1924, Dr. Meyer sent one of his staff members, Dr. Greenacre, to go write a review on Dr. Cotton's methods. Now... I feel so bad for this lady. I feel so bad for her. Her initial, and you'll see why in a second. Her initial feeling upon entering the hospital was extremely disturbing. She reported that most of the patients at the facility were lacking teeth, which made them extremely hard to understand. And like when they were talking, okay, it made them extremely hard to understand when they were talking. And it also made them, like, basically in pain when they ate everything. When they, not everything, but when they ate anything. She also reported that the paperwork regarding Dr. Cotton's surgeries were impossible to draw results from. They were poorly documented and had a shit ton of contradictions within the fucking, what is it? The f- I lost my spot. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Within the like the charts because of how poorly documented 
the surgeries were. And most, what the fuck? Yeah, the, I, I, I wrote something down twice. I wrote something down twice. This is embarrassing. I'm going to cry now. But they were just poorly documented. And they didn't really suggest a whole lot of anything or didn't clarify what the fuck he was doing. So by the time 1925 had hit, the New Jersey State Senate ended up getting involved and they launched their own investigation into Dr. Cotton and the practice of his staff. Now, around this time, when the state Senate launched launched their investigation, Dr. Cotton had become severely ill. Rumors say, I couldn't pinpoint it down to one specific thing, but rumors say that he suffered from a mental breakdown. But no one knew for sure because nothing was really um, reported or anything like that. It was just, it was just hearsay. Okay, it was just hearsay. But what they did document is that he ended up diagnosing himself as ailing from several infected teeth, which prompt him to remove them. And after he removed his fucking teeth, not all of them, just the ones that were bothering him, after he removed his fucking teeth, he himself declared that himself as cured and returned back to work at the hospital. Now, this is fucking weird, right? This doctor, known for just yanking out bones and, well, yes, teeth are bones, bones and organs, right? Gets an investigation launched against him. Claims that he's mentally ill, so the investigation doesn't really work out. From what I could find, they, I don't know, it didn't really say if they stopped it or anything. I, sorry, couldn't really find it. I don't know what to tell you, okay? And he, at his house, while his teeth are fucking hurting and he's quote-unquote having a mental breakdown, decides to pull out several fucking teeth. And that is so fucking weird that that thing became so full circle. Practice, awful. Guy from guy that taught him his shit launches an investigation against him. As he's pulling teeth and pulling organs, then he decides it's just that's so fucking weird. That is so trippy, right? What he was doing to his patients, he had a, he ended up doing to himself. It's like a weird little karma thing if you think about it, right? Now, after he you know declared himself cured, he went back to the hospital. I think I said that, and he worked there for a little bit. And then, now it doesn't say how he left the hospital or why he left the hospital. I couldn't fucking find it. But he did did end up leaving the Trenton State Lunatic Asylum and decide to open up his own private practice in New Jersey, which, surprisingly, did very well for him and made him a shit ton of money. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um... I could I saw I read a little bit and I saw that he ended up just doing the same shit that he was doing at the mental institution but for rich families. It's basically it. That's all he really did. Also after Dr. Cotton left the medical the fucking lunatic asylum, Dr. Meyer told Dr. Greenacre to shelf her report and she was reassigned despite her protest for, you know, leaving 
like leaving that place, not finishing it. And it left her report unfinished. And with the lack of a third party critic, you know, that was supposed to try and get Dr. Cotton's license revoked and like kind of fuck him up a little bit for what he did. It allowed Dr. Cotton to continue his work, you know, his inhumane work without being supervised. But Dr. Cotton would eventually die in 1933 due to a heart attack and his death. Well, and after his death, the New York Times, as well as other publications, labeled his death as a loss of one of society's great doctors. And if you're wondering if the Trenton State Asylum is still up, it is. It's still open. It is still open and it's still in operation. I would have gone into a little bit more detail about the asylum, but we already we all really really whoa, I don't know what the fuck I just said. We all kind of already know what happens to insane asylums or like what happens in them. Overcrowding, people are always, you know, treated poorly. Um just shit like that, right? And that's exactly, I looked at it just to make sure, like before this episode came up, just to make sure I was right in what they, what happened and how they were treating the people. It's the same shit that every mental institution did. Lobotomies, poor care of the individuals or the patients, overcrowding, and yeah, it was all the same bullshit. So I didn't even decide to research it because I knew, um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was it was good. It was interesting. It was fun. It was fun, but yeah, doctors. Fucking weirdos. They just are. Not all doctors, but like thankfully doctors nowadays aren't as like brutal as they were back in the day, but still. Fuck. That would suck. I would not be able to I would never go to the fucking doctor. I would have rather died. Then go to the doctor in the 1900s or the 1800s. That shit would have fucking sucked. But, yeah. Um, what do we got going on this week? This is the first week where I'm going to be switching um, today's episodes. Like, paranormal, true crime, urban legends, all that stuff. That's going to be switched to Friday, right? And then, Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, it is going to be Serial Killer. Sunday. Whoop whoop. I just burped. Whoop 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 whoop. I'm amped for Serial Killer Sunday. We're kicking it off with the Minnesota Serial Killer. And like I said earlier, well, a few weeks ago, we're just going to rank it from which on my like analytics page, what state comes after next, right? So I think Washington, Europe next, right? It's not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Washington, I'm coming for you. I'm fucking coming. I'm coming. Ah! I just blew out my fucking microphone and my ears. But yeah, that's all I really got for you guys. Follow me on Instagram, The Rainy Day Horror Show, or Dusty McBalls if you want to see my fucking tattoo. It is dope. It is sexy. It is just mwah, beautiful. Okay. Got an episode coming out this Wednesday. Me, Gabby, talking about some dumb shit. Right? It's going to be fun. All right, I'm going to let you guys go. Remember, stay frosty. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Happy New Year's Eve, okay? Don't drink and drive. Be safe. And I mean that, people. Be 
fucking safe, right? I don't want any of you to get hurt. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, okay? I know we like to joke and have fun on the show, but seriously, please be safe tonight, okay? Okay? If you promise that you'll be safe, I'll believe you. I believe you, okay? Just stay frosty. Stay foxy. I already said be safe, but I'm going to say it again, okay? Because it needs to be said. Stay safe. I love all of you, and I mean that, so. Yeah, I don't know. Deuces, my friends. I love y'all.